Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 12. And I want to talk to you about how to be a wise person. How to be a wise person. To be a wise person, a wise person lives what they believe. A wise person still seeks Christ. And a wise person gives. And I'll add one last one at the end of the sermon. A wise person gives. Joshua, you need to sit down. Thank you. A wise person gives. You know, it's hard to hit adolescence and try to figure things out. And so um, just be patient with it. He's figuring it out, and he's doing quite well. I saw a young man like Joshua um, on TV yesterday. Um, he didn't communicate very well. And then all of a sudden, mom brought home all these silly dogs. And he fell in love with one of the dogs so much that he became the dog's trainer. And next thing you know, he's talking up a storm, and he's taking the dog to show him. I'm telling you, God still does miracles. He, took, he started taking the dog to show him in dog shows. And as the first thing, he didn't win right away. Nobody took pity on him. They treated him like everybody else. He did, and he had to learn how to lose first, graciously. And then he came in second the next time he showed his dog, and he learned the lesson how to lose graciously. You see, God works in mysterious ways in all types of people. And he was able to go up to the people who lost and say, you did a good job. And he went to the person who won and congratulated her. The final year, the next year that he showed his dog, he won. And he won on his own merits. And he was so glad and he was communicating so much better. You see, God can use a lot of things to touch. And so um, as Joshua figures things out, still be patient with him. He's not done with him yet. And in some ways, that is preaching to you that God's not done fixing you up either. Because sometimes we act in different ways like Joshua in our lives. And so we just have to praise the Lord. See, Joshua can preach without even telling, saying anything, can he? And so um, that is so wonderful. So a wise person will live what they believe. Today is in, our, in the church is um, Declaration of Faith Sunday. We read all 14 statements of faith that we believe um, in the Bible. And so um, these things help guide our church and our lives. And... Um, we are going to be, during this year, at different moments, we're going to be touching on our practical commitments um, and so our church discipline and so that we can know them. We passed a, the elders passed a building use, um, a building use, um, um, what do you call that? Uh, um, a, a resolution on how our building is to be used and in that or who can use our building and in that we mentioned that um, um, it's going to be guided by our declaration of faith and so you need to know what that is so that you can understand uh, when we have to say no to certain groups that they can't use our building because they're um, listen folks in this day and age the church has to be wise 
And because of how the laws stand right now, we have to protect the membership of the church. And the best way to, ch to protect the membership of our church from ever being sued um, by certain groups who would want to use our building is we teach you what this says and we live it. And as long as we're living this and um, living by what we believe, guess what? They can't sue us because we are meaning it. And so you need to know what that is. So we just uh, praise God for that. Anyway, Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 12, let's look at that. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where, where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, Bring back word to me that I might come worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with his mother Mary. And fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts to him. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. Then, having, then being, divine, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this wonderful story in this wonderful true story in the Word of God. We thank you, Lord, for the lessons that we can learn from these magi, these wise men, Lord, who left all behind to pursue one goal, a goal to come and worship the new king of Judah. Lord, help us to understand that when we came to you, we were to leave all behind, the world behind us and the cross before us. And with one pursuit in mind, the worship of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you cannot not only reign here in our hearts, and reign here in our church. But you can reign in our workplace. You can reign in our homes. You can reign when we're driving our cars. And you can reign in our attitudes, Lord. 
So Lord, I pray, Lord, that this year you will reign in our lives and we will serve you with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, and with all of our strength. We love you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for your anointing that's here today. Lord, only let me speak the words that you would have me to say. And Lord, I thank you for the the anointing on this message. Give us ears to hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Oh, Lord, let it find good soil. Hallelujah. You know, some of us need to allow God to plow up the soil of our lives. That's a prophetic word for somebody. Some of us need to allow, we need to, all of us really need to do it. We need to allow God to plow up the fields of our lives. To get those stony places out of us. Get the anger out of us. Get our addictions out of us. To turn our lives completely over to Him. Let's get into the message today. Wise men, they live what, wise people, they live what they believe. If you're going to be wise, you need to live what you believe. Not just on Sundays and Wednesday nights. Not just when you get together with your friends to pray. A wise person is going to live what they believe 24-7 without compromising to the culture around them. We've had enough of that in the church, haven't we? Of the compromises that have come into the church. And I'm not going to get into those kind of things to this morning. It's just we need to give those things over to the Lord. The Lord is come. Did you notice that in the Word of God, there's two roads. One highway leads to hell. The other one leads to heaven. The one that leads to hell is a super highway of six lanes going in one direction very fast. The other one is very narrow and straight. The one that leads to hell is crooked and has many turns so that you can't see its final destination destination. But the one that leads to heaven is straight and you can see where you are heading. And sometimes because the world gets us down, we get off that path. But the Holy Spirit always guides us back to the straight and narrow as we go. We are to put the world behind us and put the cross before us, living in the shadow of the cross, moving towards Jesus Christ, led by the Holy Spirit, so that our final destination is glory. Our final destination is with Jesus, and we hear those wonderful words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now to live on that road, and he talks about in the last days, he is coming back for a bride that is pure and holy. A bride that has no stains, no wrinkles. He's coming back for a pure lamb. Uh, A bride, now that doesn't mean it's perfect. Because who here is perfect? Um, um, Sarah is, right? Sarah is the only one who's perfect here. She's so sweet and kind and, and wonderful. No, not even Sarah's perfect. 
None of us is, the only one that was ever perfect is Jesus. Is Jesus. But if we, are stri- if we are living with the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit, living what we believe, guess what? We can be that pure and holy bride the Lord wants. I know Jason, when he asked Robin to marry him, he just was so glad that she was running around with every Tom, Dick, and Harry. <laughs> he was so glad. He couldn't wait for the day to marry her after she's running around with Tom, Dick, and Harry. Even the day before they had got married, he was so excited that she was going to be his bride. No, there's no way he would have ever married her if once he asked her to marry if she was running around on him. There's no way, because I know my friend Jason. He, 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 has, he has more dignity than that. He, he was looking for a bride that was just going to love him no matter what. And um, boy, he's put her to the test sometimes. <laughs> but so has she. <laughs> but they've loved each other no matter what through, through high water, through sickness and in health, and having five kids. If that doesn't test a marriage, nothing will. (laughs) But when he married her, he knew she was faithful to him alone. And that's what the Lord is looking for. But the Bible also said he's coming back, in these last days, he's coming back for a remnant. Let's be part of the remnant. Let's not get caught up in everything else and, and not be part of his remnant That's always bothered me that it's going to be a remnant. That's a smaller group than we can think of. And yet the Lord promised us in these last days is going to be the greatest harvest time the world has ever seen. And I want us to be ready for the harvest time. And I'll tell you why. Because when the harvest time comes, I want to be part of that harvest time. And we're going to have to disciple a lot of people. I'm even thinking that Sarah, since she's going to be graduating this year, needs to go through a boot camp before she graduates and goes off to college. Before she goes off to college, she needs to go through one more boot I mean a real boot camp for serving the Lord, where she learns a theological thing that you learn in Bible college, apologetics, so that when she gets there to college, she won't get fall for the stupid liberal professors who try to convince her that God is dead, he's not real, and to abandon her faith. Now there's been a lot of kids who've grown up in church who were serving the Lord, but when they got to college, the, the culture crept in, they got infected with things, and they started believing their college professors and they're not serving the Lord. But let me tell you something. Raise up a child in the way they should go and they soon shall not depart from it. We have a promise that God will bring them home, but sometimes we're going to have to fast. Sometimes we're going to have to pray. And sometimes we're going to have to turn them over and allow God to do that work that's going to be needed to bring them home to the Lord. Just telling you, we... It's not always easy. I've had to do that with one of my children. It's not easy. But it has to be done if we love them. Are you passionate about your faith? This is the next thing. Are you passionate about your faith? Or has apathy crept in? 
Apathy is very subtle and it can creep in. It keeps you from reading God's word. It keeps you from having joy in serving. It keeps you from um, getting happy about worship. Apathy can creep into your life so easy because it's the opposite of passion. It's the opposite of passion. If apathy has crept into your life, all you need to do is repent of your apathy. All you have to do is repent. Listen, I'm not judging anybody. I'm not putting you down. But if apathy has crept into your life, all you need to do is repent of it. You see, the devil would want to say, oh, you can't go up there in front of everybody and repent of apathy. They'll judge you. Oh, horrible. Well, you know what? Apathy affects more people in the church than anything else in America. How many American Christians do you know that have passion for their Jesus? How many Christians do you see have passion in worship? How many Christians in churches today in our community are just going through the motions? We sang some songs here today. Oh my word, I don't know how we ever stopped singing some of them. Glory to God. Corey says we didn't have the music for the second, for the one that we did a cappella. I recall we do have the music someplace, but it's just, it, it, it was just the way the devil is, he wants to keep it from us, so that we say, oh, we can't sit, do that song. But that was the exact same song, that's the exact song that we needed to tie all the other songs together. In fact, in fact we had to reprise it at the end. Yep. Why? Because we, 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 we got to get in tune with the Holy Ghost. we got to get rid of the apathy in our lives. And all we have to do is repent of our apathy. But we have to do a second thing as we repent of our apathy. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Why do we have to ask the Holy Spirit? He's the one who fills us with the power. He's the one who causes us to worship. He was the one who brought you to the cross. He is the one who said, there's Jesus. Get saved. Now there's Jesus. Worship him and worship the Father. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you and walk in the Spirit. And guess what? He will help you. The problem in America today, we're not preaching enough about the Holy Ghost to tell people he is there to help you. If he is, our, if he is the one who convicts us, if he is the one who goes ahead and teaches us, why don't you think he's going to help us to learn the lessons to live for Christ? Why do, we, why do we put the Holy Spirit over here on the shelf and say the Holy Spirit's only for the time we worship him in song? No, the Holy Spirit wants to be with us every day. Do you know the Holy Spirit groans out in your own life in intercession for you? Jesus intercedes for you at the right hand of God, the Father, but the Holy Spirit intercedes for us from the innermost parts of our being. And by the way, the Holy Spirit, he is the, he is the glue in the Trinity. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit is the one who causes the communication to flow from, the, from God, the Godhead to us. It is the Holy Spirit who causes the communication from the Father to the Son and the Son of the Holy Spirit to flow and then flow to us. That's his job. He's always in that mode and he's a life giver, not a life taker. We need to start yielding ourselves to the Holy Ghost and saying, Holy Spirit, help me. I can't do it in my own strength. I need somebody to help me with it. And that's what his job is there for. You see, when Jesus went back to heaven, 
God the Father looked at all of us who are saved through Jesus' eyes and saw us as perfect little children and just loves us so much. Oh, there's my perfect little daughter, Danny. She is so wonderful. She never does anything wrong. She's my little princess. That's how the Father views her. The thing is, Jesus knows exactly who Danny is. Oh, Dad, you don't know half of it. <laughs> and so Jesus says, Jesus says, Father, please send her the Holy Spirit because my, my, my sister Danny needs help. That's how he talks about us. We are, we are sons and daughters. We are adopted into God's family. And the Father sees us finished, ready to be, to be at the white throne judgment, to be ushered into heaven. He sees us as finished, perfect work. But Jesus knows and he says, the Father send us the Holy Spirit to work on us. That's why we, we used to have that saying back in the day, um, um, you know, don't, don't get on me because God's not finished with me yet. I, I'm still in the building process. Why are you judging me? Why are you tearing me down? God's not finished with me yet. Pray for me. Help me. Help, help me to get closer to the Holy Ghost. That's what we need. And when we pray... And when we pray and we repent of our apathy and ask the Holy Spirit to help us, He will reignite the fire in our souls. Have you been feeling far away from God? Oh, ask the Holy Spirit to refire your soul. Ask the Holy Spirit to forgive you for your apathy. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring you close to Jesus. But you've got to do it all in Jesus' name. Jesus wants you to have a life that counts. Jesus wants you to have a life that counts. Are you, are, you are special to him and he loves you. That's why he died on the cross for you. Can you imagine what would have happened if those scribes and priests who had a look in the scriptures and found the place that Jesus was born... Can you imagine what would have happened if those scribes and priests got excited about the news that a newborn king of the Jews was in Bethlehem? But no, they feared King Herod more than they feared God. And it's a shame that they did because when Herod was lying on his sickbed, dying, that old nasty Herod, he might have been known as Herod the Great for his building, but he was Herod the Horrible yeah, he for how he treated people. I, I, can't, I won't tell you how many of his sons he killed out of jealousy. Right. I won't tell you about his favorite wife that he killed because of jealousy. I won't tell you how he killed his brother-in-law, the high priest, because he thought he was going to turn on him. But when Herod was laying on his deathbed, he rounded up all these priests and these scribes. Oh, if they would have just gone with the wise men and been wise themselves. He wounded them up, wounded, rounded them up, put them on cages, in cages, there outside of the temple, with the orders that when he died, those very scribes and priests would be put to death because he wanted somebody to be mourned in Jerusalem when he died because he knew the people wouldn't mourn his death. They were going to rejoice come January 20th. 
Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, the, I don't think they had the number back then. <laughs> well, whatever month it was in the Hebrew calendar, they should have traveled with the wise men to find the Christ child, and they too would have been considered wise. Wise people still seek Christ. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. Jesus said, go make disciples. So it doesn't matter how long you've been saved, being a disciple is a lifelong journey. We never stop seeking or learning. Pastor Emeritus in my first church came and, oh, Brother David, you don't need to preach about that. We know we're so old, most of us. Average, the average age in our church was late 50s. We're so old in our church, we know it all now. Oh boy. I love Pastor Fonce, so about this tall. So he was my elder. I loved him. Paul says in Timothy how you're supposed to treat those who are older and those who are younger and those, you know all that. So I waited till next Sunday and the Holy Spirit gave me a message and the message was entitled you can teach an old dog a new trick. Pastor Fonce looked at me and just smiled. <laughs> after service, after I got done preaching, he gave me a big hug. He says, "You're right." In fact, Peter says, I don't care how many times you tell them about, it doesn't matter how many times, how long they've been saved, they need to hear some things over and over and over and over again. So learning never stops. It doesn't matter how old you are. We're still discovering new. Every time you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit shows you something new. Even in a verse that you've read a hundred times, He will always show you something new about that verse for your life. He will always speak to you about from that verse. He will always say, okay, now take that verse and, and help Joe with it that you've been praying for. Seek the Lord while he may be found, the word says. And that is told to us as Christians as well. So let me encourage you to join one of our life groups. Join one of our life groups. In other words, join one of our discipleship groups. I kind of like life groups. It speaks about discipleships, being a disciple as living for Christ. Join one of our life groups. Why? Because disciples learn. They train together. We give you many opportunities. We give you, we give you Sunday school. We give the kids a wana. We, get, we have a morning. Our life group on Wednesday morning is growing. I'm telling you what. James is going to start bugging some of the men who are not working in that hour to start coming because he comes and he's having so much fun. And uh, praise God, we are learning about the Lord and about these last days and so that we can be strong and understand the times that we live in. The wise men, they followed a star. And, and here's the reason why most women said these men were wise. They also asked for directions. 
They, all, they also asked for directions. You know why men don't ask for directions? I'll tell you why. It's built into them by God. What? Yeah, men have extra iron in their nose. And I'm not talking about boogers, James. <laughs> we have extra iron in our nose. So it, we always think we know where north is. God actually put that in us so that when we, back in the days we were out there hunting those brontosauruses, because we like brontosaurus steak, could feed the family for a whole month on one brontosaurus, you know, we could find our way home. That's why we were always trying to find a better compass. We have an idea where we're at, but... But these wise men, they stopped and asked, they followed a star. They asked for directions. And one other thing they did, they searched the scriptures. Isn't that what they did here? Now we follow a star ourselves. His name is Jesus. He's the bright morning star. We follow Jesus. We should be asking directions by the Holy Spirit. Which way should we go, Lord? What do you want me to do? And we should be searching the scriptures to hear from God. Wow. You didn't think you could learn that much from these wise men. I don't know if there was three of them or if there was more than that, but um, they brought three types of gifts. That's why we think there was three. And then wise people give. Wise people give. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They, they, they came bearing gifts. If we want to be wise people, not only do we live we live what we believe. Not only do we still seek Christ in our lives, but as wise people, we give. The wise men came bearing gifts, and they planned it before they came. They planned it before they came. Before I came, I had to make sure that my tithe was correctly written out. So I actually had to check my bank account to see if I had another deposit that I didn't know there was in there to make sure I gave my right tithe. So it was planned for. Don't want to meddle, but sometimes we try to make things too easy for people to give when it should be planned and brought. Because when we have to plan for it, we have to do something about it. It means more because we're doing it. Would it mean a lot to you when your Christmas time comes around and you wrap your and you have somebody else do all buy, you send somebody else to buy the gifts for your children, say, I don't care what it is, just go out and buy them a nice gift and wrap it for me, put it under the tree. You have no clue what you're giving your child on Christmas morning, but it's all wrapped in a pretty package. You didn't plan for it. You didn't put any effort into it. You put it under the tree, and now you're wondering, what in the world did I give the child? And they open it up, and it's a potato. And then you wonder why your child looks at you funny. No, we go out, we try to find the perfect present for our child, or presents, or sometimes we get overboard, and we find many presents for them. We, we go ahead, we take the effort, we get carpal tunnel vision, uh, 
carpal tunnel, whatever, uh, in our wrist from all the wrapping of the presents, and we wrap it all up, and we know which each gift are, and we, we make sure we save that special gift out towards the end because we knew that's exactly what they wanted. And, every, and your child looks at you with glee in their eyes, like, oh, you, you listened to me, and they get all excited on Christmas when they unwrap their gifts. Our gifts should be planned before we come. Our gift of our tithe and our gift of our giving should be planned and should be wrapped up by ourselves. Their gift was given to meet the need. Their gift was given, and and I don't have time to preach this part because there is so much there in the gift of Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I could preach a whole message just on gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But it actually was given to meet a need. It was a picture towards his crucifixion, yes, and his burial, and the resurrection, and the type of gifts it was given. But I don't have time to teach you all. But the need was there that they had to run away in a little bit. If you read more, go into more of the next... After we get done with this text, if you go home and read the rest of it, all of a sudden Joseph is woken from a dream and the Lord warned him he needed to pack up his little family, rev up the donkey, and head to Egypt. Yeah, they had, he had to go there and gas up the donkey, rev it up. They jumped on that donkey, got, grabbed all those ears, rum, 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 and they took off for Egypt. Yeah, they had a way for Herod to die. And, and, and Herod was, gonna, was sending his army in to kill all the boys two years old and younger. Because it, Jesus was two years old when the wise men came. They didn't find him in the manger. They found him in a house. And they provided, they gave to the need. Joseph, because they were going to have to travel to Egypt, needed money. He gave him gold, and he gave him precious frankincense and myrrh that he could sell in Egypt because they were big time into embalming. And he could really make a profit on those things and live the years out in Egypt without having to worry about setting up the business right away. I'm sure Joseph became a carpenter over there, went to work as a carpenter, but you know, if you ever move... You need some income for a while before the job comes along. That's right. And then they had enough money saved out to move back from Egypt to go home to Nazareth. And then Joseph gets there and he opens up Joseph and Sons. Well, Jesus was known as a carpenter. So was James. So was Jude. They were the carpenter's son. And then finally, their gift was an act of worship. That's why I say, that's why most of the time when it comes to the offering, it's like I come up and I say, let us continue our worship and our giving. Because that's what it is. That's why the worship team goes and sings our fourth song that we worship to while we give. That's why we're teaching the little kids to come up here and fill that bucket so that they understand that giving is is what we do. You see, if God can get us to give out of our wallet, he knows that we will give more 
out of our lives to service to others. And besides that, I preached a few years ago, even Jesus tithed. It's found in the book of Hebrews. Even Jesus tithed. And if Jesus, who receives the tithe, deserves the tithe, tithe, we should too. One last thing that a wise person will do, not only will a wise person give, not only will a wise person seek Christ, continue to seek Christ, not only will a wise person live what they believe, but a wise person will obey. They obey. <clears throat> That's where that word submission that we don't like as Americans come in. <laughs> Are we submitted to the Lord? <clears throat> I want you to notice something in, in, there in um, um, verse 12. The wise men did not return to King Herod. After being warned in a dream, they returned home quietly and by a different route. They didn't seek glory for themselves. They came to worship. Think about that. They didn't seek glory for themselves. They came to worship, so they obeyed. So they obeyed. Are we obeying the Lord as we should? What about us? Do we trust God enough to obey Him in everything? Do we? Do we trust Him in our tithes and giving? Do we trust Him with our lives? Do we trust Him in serving? Do we trust Him with our mouths? Do we trust Him with our hearts? Do we trust Him with our kids? Do we trust and obey? For folks, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Joshua. Joshua. Thank you. If we allow Him, the Holy Spirit, He will help us to live as wise people. All we have to do is ask him to help you. Listen, folks, I am trying to encourage you today. I'm just trying to build you up. Now, if the devil is sitting there whispering at you, trying to make you feel guilty, tell him to get off of your case. There's a difference between conviction and guilt. Holy Spirit uses guilt and he condemns you. Oh, you dirty rat, you. You don't do what God tells you to do. <laughs> Holy Spirit will convict us. His conviction changes our behavior. His conviction is loving. It might make us feel uncomfortable. I, I, I preached a message way back when, when I was in Maine, and I had to go back and re-listen to the message. I, I talked about how God can free you from your addictions, and in that I touched on just briefly cigarettes. Because back in the late 80s, that was the big thing um, that, you know, as Pentecostals, 
we just didn't smoke. We didn't smoke, we didn't chew, and we didn't run with those who do. Um, that was not only Pentecostals, but that was also Baptists um, back then. And, and, um, sometimes, but I only touched on it a little bit because that, there's other things that we Pentecostals should be free of as well that we shouldn't be doing, right? It is, and, um, and so I'm just, I just praise God that that's not, we don't just bring out a whole list of things, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt, you know, we don't do that. We talk about how to live for Jesus now, and then the Holy Spirit helps us with it. But I had a, I had a mother and her son get so upset, they got up and they walked out of church. Just touched it a little bit. Walked out of church. So I turned the service over to Brother Fonce. I went out on the front porch with them, and I talked with them. And they didn't understand about the conviction of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost was just convicting them. They thought I was pointing my finger right at them, brother. Um, and they thought, oh, he's just pointing at us. And I didn't use, I didn't point a finger. <laughs> I was taught a long time ago, you start pointing fingers and, and it's not a good thing. Because I got three fingers pointing at myself. So I explained to them conviction. Oh, that's what it means. Say yes, and the Holy Spirit's convicting of you. You need to do something about it. It's not up to me to tell you to do something about it. It's up to you to listen to the Holy Spirit and just obey. Well, I went back to listen to the sermon to make sure I wasn't just pounding people, you know. And uh, went back. Brother Brother Tory had um, taped it for me, and so I, I went back the next day and I put it on the recorder. And I laid before the Lord, I actually did because I was tired, and listened to it, and I said, boy, that was good preaching. And I didn't even, I said, that was just a tiny little thing, how in the world? But that's the conviction of the Holy Ghost. If we would just, when the Holy Spirit starts convicting us, and we would just say, yes, Lord, change me, free me, change my attitude about that thing, or Lord, take that thing out of my life, or Lord, I surrender to you. I'm going to start doing what I know what's right according to the scriptures. It frees us. It makes us feel better. It, 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 it goes ahead and the Holy Spirit says, oh, you're listening to me. Oh, I'm just going to fill you with my joy now. I'm telling you, if we would just give in to the conviction of the Holy Ghost, I'll tell you what, we would be better people. We would serve better. We would be better dads. We'd be better husbands. We'd be better wives. We'd be better mothers. We'd be better employers. We'd be a better employees. We would be better all the way around if we would just give into the Holy Spirit and say, yes, Lord, thank you. And by the way, the Bible says if the Lord didn't convict us, we would be worse than orphans. But because he loves us, he convicts us. He straightens us up. It'd be like um, Nicholas. Nicholas never does anything wrong in my class. He's number one kid. He earns all the, all, all the awards all the time. He never rocks in his chair. <laughs> and he memorizes every scripture so lickety split. <sighs> See, I'd rather brag on you. <laughs> Nicholas's dad knows better. He knows Nicholas so well. <coughs> but his dad knows him enough that when he needs to be straightened out, he does. And I, 
most of the time I never hear Curtis use guilt on his kids, which is a, which is a tool that a Jewish mother has learned really well to do. Jewish and Catholic moms know how to do it really well. Do you not know, Sarah, I was in labor with you for 95 days. How can you treat your blessed mother like this? How'd you do that? <laughs> That's just how they do things. <sighs> I swear sometimes my mother's Jewish. <laughs> Most of the time, Curtis is, one of the things I, I admire about Curtis is his patience. And when he's dealing with his children. And it's like the Holy Spirit's with us. He's very patient and he uses that conviction to change our behavior. See, that's what discipline's all about. It changes our behavior so that we do things the right way. Punishment is just going ahead and making ourselves feel better. But discipline causes our children to be better. And in the long run, when we're 80 years old, we feel good about it. Oh, if we would just listen to the Holy Spirit and just give in to Him, He will do a special work in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank You for Your Word today and what the wise men teach us. And how we can, ourselves can be considered wise. Help us to live for you. Help us to turn our lives over to you. 